and hallelujah, and let the Lord be magnified just for a moment, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. Thank you for being the strength that we need, oh God, to provide to each one of us that calls on your name. Thank you for the hope that you bring at all times and your peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I just can't thank him enough. Amen. Amen. I always want to take the opportunity to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we just go ahead and stand all over this place and just do some resounding praise all over this place. It's all right. It's all right if we put a little extra on it today. Come on now. Hallelujah. The Lord's been good to you. He's been faithful. He is faithful in all things and through all things. And because he is faithful, not just because he's faithful, but for who he is. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as you're standing, I wonder if we could uh, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. I'll give you a a few moments to make your way there. And as you do, I do want to remind you that uh, even though we are a couple weeks out, that there will not be a service here at the Church of Omaha on Christmas Day, December 25th. So please make note of that. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, uh, starting with verse number 24. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. And for a few moments of your time, uh, right from the words of Jesus, I'm going to preach and teach on this subject, and that is take no thought. Take no thought. And as you're taking your seats, I wonder if we can go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, I thank you for each opportunity we have to gather together here in this place to hear your word. Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth, that you would help me and lead me to be nothing more and nothing less than a vessel for you. Bless those here today and those watching online. Thank you for your precious word, which is and always will be that of which we need to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. 
This morning, the Lord has impressed, uh, as the Lord has impressed me to do, the main topic, if you will, that I will be preaching and teaching on is that of anxiety. And as we make our way through the holiday season each, each year, some, if not all, will find themselves experiencing anxiety in one way, shape, or form. Whether it be because of the need to purchase gifts for children or loved ones, or maybe because of a strained family tie that you fear will surface during the upcoming family gatherings, or even the stress that comes with packing and traveling to and from any place and all that it takes to get to and from, and even more, the potential for maybe getting sick, going to one of these things, or so on and so forth. And I do want to say this, church. Anxiety happens. It's, it happens more often than I think anyone in this room will admit to. I don't say that to say, hey, here's your ticket to go ahead and have some anxiety this holiday season. But I do come before you today to talk about this, providing some biblical insight to help you, especially through the holidays, but really for your life in general. Wherever you find yourself on the scale of this anxiety, the truth is, is that Jesus came for you. He came for you, including your anxieties, and he is caring for you. He came not only to be a ransom for our sins, he came those to save, uh, save those that are lost. And Jesus is here for you today in your anxiety and all, and he desires to help you today. In looking at the passage that we read just moments ago, Jesus speaks a certain phrase three different times throughout this passage, and that phrase is, take no thought. And to begin, I want to start off by breaking down this very phrase. He says, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for the food that you eat, the drink that you drink, the clothes on your back, and finally, take no thought for tomorrow. But what does Jesus mean when he says, take no thought? Well, I'm glad you asked. We can read this on the surface to think, well, we're just not supposed to think about it. But I don't think that's quite where Jesus was wanting to take this. Because I think about what I'm going to eat tomorrow. I don't worry about it, but I wonder, I wonder what's for supper tonight. Or, or I wonder, you know, what the drive to work's going to be like tomorrow. Not so much that it's all-consuming, but I often, you know, I'm a very curious person, so I have these thoughts. As humans, everybody's a human in here, we all have thoughts, right? We do think about things. I, I was going to go as far to say as we're not robots where all of our thoughts are controlled by something out of our element, right? We, and can I tell somebody that it's okay to think about things, that it's okay to have thoughts, but in trying to dig a little deeper into this phrase that Jesus spoke, when he says, take no thought, what he's saying is, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. He was speaking to the multitude, those of which had plenty and those of which had little and everyone in between, who were all the same in his eyes, and telling them that these things should not consume your mind so much that you forget about me, that you forget about Jesus, so much that there is no room 
for Jesus. And in line with this anxiety I'm speaking to you about today, Jesus is saying, do not be anxious for your life. Don't have these thoughts of fear. Don't have these negative thoughts. Did you know that fear is something that can cause anxiety? In fact, I will go as far to say that fear is one of the top things that causes anxiety, a fear of something. Did you also know that some of the thoughts that we have are not real? That they are merely perceived thoughts? A perceived thought is something that you think is true, but in reality has no truth to it at all. We believe it to be true so much that it becomes a threat to us. In our minds, what they do with threats is they build these things up in us. They build these thoughts up in us. They, they, they bend it up in us, and we begin to react in a way as to not want to deal with it any longer. We don't want to put ourselves in that situation because of what we think might happen. Let me tell you a personal story, or a personal story, if you will, because there have been many times, and sometimes even now, I catch myself running down this trail of perceived thoughts. But I, I have things happen at work, at home, and, and more. I used to be a very anxious person. And I'll be honest, sometimes it can still rear its ugly head, right, Sister Powell? But when I remember to take no thought, excuse me, and not be anxious, can I tell somebody that 100 times out of 100, it all works out? That 100 times out of 100, it's all taken care of? But there have been times where I have had this thought about something, and as much as I would try to convince myself that it was true, it was only that of a perceived thought. Something would happen at work, and I would think, oh, great, this happened. Now, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, and this is going to happen because of this, and this might happen because of that. Oh, and that person over there is going to hate me forever, or, or my boss is going to fire me, and so on and so forth. And I get the, you know, these thoughts tend to swirl around in your head, if you will, making no sense whatsoever. This is going to be a complete disaster. And I worked myself up to such a thing that whatever happened, just happened. And life goes on. But there I was, spending time thinking about what could have happened. Filling my mind with perceived thoughts. All the while struggling to let go of it. To just move on. I put myself in the worst case scenario. I would have thoughts about the worst thing that could happen. And oftentimes when I think about things like that, it's a struggle. Has anyone ever been there where they have had a thought or where something happens or before even something happens where you think this might happen or this might happen so you, your mind tends to go there and it festers there for a little bit and then it comes back over here and festers over here for a bit. Maybe you have a fear of traveling or a fear of getting together with family like I talked about moments ago or you have a fear of losing all of your money or, or the food on your table. Maybe you have that fear and it leads to you thinking, well, what's going to happen 
when I run out of money? What's going to happen when I run out of food? Will this happen? Will this happen? I sure hope this doesn't happen. Oh, maybe this will happen. I could spin around up here for ages and talk about all these thoughts that just circle around with one another. Putting yourself in the worst case scenario, while it may be a, a terrible thing to do, sometimes our mind tends to feed off of such anxiety. Stay with me. To feed off of this fight or flight reaction in prepping your body for whatever might come your way, i.e. that perceived thought or threat. Our brain is wired for anxiety, and while at one time the difference was between life and death, now as an example, when not dealt with this anxiety, our brain can react the same way to being embarrassed as it does to being chased by a grizzly bear through the woods. You don't believe me? Maybe you do. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that these perceived thoughts are not healthy thoughts. And while I'm preaching to you, pointing my finger out in your direction, there's one, two, three, pointing right back up here to the guy in the suit. If Jesus says, take no thought for these things, he is saying, I am going to take care of you. As long as you find your hope in me, as long as you find your peace in me, hear me, as long as you trust in me as your provider, Jesus says, is Jesus telling you to go and just quit your job, to go and move out of your home and do things like that? I don't think so. Unless the Lord is telling you to do that, then there's got to be a reason for it, and that's between you and him. But he says not to worry about these things. I'll never forget a conversation that I had with Brother Joey. Um, Brother Joey has this mountain-like faith that soars through the roof. This faith has come to build me up in times past, and we've built each other up. It's been a, a couple years now. I don't remember what day it was for sure, but, but we had this discussion about the times to come and, and the potential for struggle and how food could become scarce and, and things could be harder to get and whatnot. I don't remember all the ins and outs of the conversation, but something Brother Joey said has really stuck with me even to today and will always stick with me. He told me that he can't wait for the time where he may not see the next meal that he has, but he prays and the meal shows up. <laughs> Specifically, he said that the peanut butter would show up in the cabinet. Hallelujah. And it could only be God that provided that. And when I think about that, I think about all those times where I have been anxious about such things. But Jesus says, don't worry about it. I got you. If you're my child, I've got you. If you trust in me, I've got you. I've got your back. I'm walking beside you. I've already taken care of everything that's before you. Trust in me as your provider. And lest we forget, Jesus not only instructs what not to do, saying take no thought, but what we should do instead. And that is uh, what? Put, put up verse number 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Somebody say, added to me. Added to me. Hallelujah. Make room for me, Jesus says. Put me at the top 
of that list. Allow me to do what I said I would do when I read these words of Jesus telling me to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I don't just stop there because, yeah, I'm going to seek him, but he gives you a reason why. Because if you seek, the, seek me first, if you seek my kingdom first, all these things shall be added to you. These things he's talking about, the clothes on your back, the food that you eat, the water that you drink, uh, the, the, whatever's going to happen tomorrow, all these things shall be added to you. Furthermore, he says, be careful about one thing only, and that is your relationship with him. Because if you're careful about that, again, everything else will fall into place. That puzzle of a life you're living will start to be put together piece by piece, corner by corner, border by border. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for this instruction that says, without a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus has me in his hands. That Jesus is going to take care of me. That Jesus is going to provide for me. What's more, that if I find myself struggling with anxious thoughts, that I'm in good company. I want to talk to you for a few moments about some biblical figures who struggled with anxiety. Are you ready? Take a look at Martha. Remember her? A friend of Jesus. She lived with her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus. She hosted Jesus in her house and was focused on being the best hostess for Jesus' sake. Her sister, however, was taking time to listen to Jesus and hanging on his every word. When Martha saw what Mary was doing, great anxiety came over her, which many of us can relate to. When I'm cleaning up my house, which you may not catch me doing a whole lot, sorry, but, but when I do, uh, I, I have some kind of an expectation for other people to help me, for my kids to help me pick up their toys. And here I am, pick, yeah, come on, preach, right? When, I, when I'm picking up my kids' toys and my, my, my boy sitting over there just super focused on something, I'm like, Callan, are you going to help me? And he doesn't answer. Callan, you going to help me? Callan, are you going to help me? Yes, Dad, I'll help you. But here I am, just me. I'm like, come on, man. Help me out a little bit here. Right? I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. But I, I encourage them and sometimes have to get after them to help. To pick up the house, to pick up their toys to, and whatnot. So in that sense, I can relate to Martha. Anyone else? <laughs> and while my kids may not be sitting at the feet of Jesus, you know, doing whatever they're doing in their room, their, their focus is on something which is deterring them from helping. So there Martha was, rummaging around the house, sweeping everything up to make sure it was in tip-top shape for their very important guest. And as we read the account, she approached Jesus, asking if he cared that her sister was not helping her. Don't you care about this, she asked. Tell her to help me. To which Jesus responds in Luke chapter 10, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Martha had what I will refer to as busyness syndrome. 
And I found that quite fitting as we stand here in the midst of what some find to be the busiest time of year. Her busyness drove her to a point of anxiety, all while Mary sat at the feet of Jesus in worship. In Martha's life, we see the importance of balancing services that we are a part of, both here in the building and maybe anywhere else we go, whatever we do with our worship, balancing our service with our worship. I don't read anywhere of Mary being a lazy person, but her priorities were lined up correctly. She was seeking first the kingdom of God and understanding that all of these things will be added to her. And perhaps Jesus was teaching her about such things while she sat there without a worry or concern thinking, yes, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to listen to his every word. He's telling me to seek him. I'm seeking him right now. Some of y'all need to take some time in this busyness season, if you will, or in your life in general, if you will, to take some time and get into that secret place with Jesus and just listen to to him for a moment. Let him talk to you for a moment. Amen. Next, we will look at Job. Job suffered from anxiety while, while trying to survive many personal losses. We read that he lost all of his material possessions, and then he lost all of his children, and if that were eno weren't enough, Job was devastated by a severe physical ailment breaking out in painful boils. Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth, Scripture says, and he questioned God, asking, why did I not die at birth, come forth from the womb, and expire? Why is light given to him who suffers, and life to the bitter soul, and long for death, but there is none? I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I am not at rest, but turmoil comes in this battle. Job does not understand why God would permit such suffering, going as far as to accuse God for the cause of it. Yet Job had endurance, and his endurance glorified God, for it answered Satan's challenge and showed the unseen spirits as well as man, then and now, that God's people serve him, not for any type of return of spiritual benefits, hear me, but because of who he is. Got real quiet in here. Like Job, we can and do endure trials, some more severe than others, and prayerfully our minds are fixed on him that no matter what happens, we are going to serve him. No matter the outcome, we are going to serve him. Job, in the middle of these troubles and thoughts about his life, did declare that even if he slays me, I will trust in him. You want to talk about taking trust to a whole nother level. If you have your notepads out, it would do you good to do some studying later on Job just to see what all he endured. Just to see the emotional roller coaster that Job was on and through it all, having endurance. Can I tell someone here today that endurance does not come without some faults? That endurance does not come without doubts or fears? And yes, that endurance doesn't come without the potential of some anxiety-ridden situations? 
but at the same time, that through all of these, that we would hold on to the words of Jesus when he says in Matthew 24, 13, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. And turning a few books over, we see Jonah. Jonah also pled with God, asking God to take his life from him. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh for one reason or another. He ran from God because of it. After some deliberation on the boat that he was on being a runaway, Jonah was tossed from the boat where he found himself in the belly of a fish, a very dark place. It was here that Jonah saw the light, if you will. He repented and realized that his salvation is from the Lord. But even through that, we read at the end of Jonah that he was wallowing in self-pity and he, so much that he, he blinded his eyes to the mercy of God. This anxiety, if you will, completely consumed him to the point of being blinded to what had just happened around him. He was so caught up in it that he thought of no better way to go than for God to take him. While we do not find a, a pleasant ending in Jonah, that takes, uh, the takes that we can see from this is the problem with wallowing in something for too long. Like Martha, who was worried about keeping her place clean, Jonah was swallowed up in worry, was delivered, and even after that, chose to go back into the mindset of, why me? Why does everything bad happen to me? Why did God do this to me? Rather than finding the Lord through it all, Jonah allowed his own ways to go higher than God's. He allowed his own problems to literally wash out God. The next person we see is Moses. He was worn out. After all, wouldn't you be worn out if you had to lead many people out of bondage only to find that the bondage followed them? He was weary. The weight on his shoulders was more than a lot of people could bear. God called Moses, and Moses tried to tell God that he was not the man for the job. He just knew God was mistaken, but God went ahead and insisted. Moses obeyed God and returned to Egypt. He won the support of his people and confronted Pharaoh on their behalf in the name of the Lord. He had done everything the Lord told him to, to the best of his ability. At the point where things started to turn south, where they started to turn awry, if you will, Moses called out in his hopelessness and despair. He trudged through those feelings of feeling useless, feeling that whatever he was doing had no point. It was pointless. At one point, he too felt that God had let him down. But Moses' entire ministry would never have come into being had he not cried out to God from the beginning and when God told him to go to Pharaoh, even though the results were not, were, were not at first what Moses had expected, he still turned to God. Yes, even in his frustration with the situation. But one thing that Moses didn't do, ready? Turn away from God. 
Have you ever found yourself in a situation like this? Maybe not quite to this extent, but where you have been, become frustrated and the temptation to turn away reared its ugly head, it reared its way into your thoughts. Where did you turn at that time? I hope and pray that you turned to God, that you stayed focused on Him because you may or may not know this, but God can handle your frustration. He can handle when you get a little bit angry. Yes, even if it is directed at Him. He would much rather you turn to him with those things than to turn away. Amen? Now, like Moses, prepare yourself for some correction. Prepare yourself for some instruction from the Lord. And yes, possibly even some conviction saying, oh, maybe I, maybe I should have uh, dealt with that a little differently. But remembering, too, that it's because he loves you that he gives those things to you. That he gives you that opportunity to change that which needs to change. Amen? And finally, I save what I will call the best for last. And that is David. <laughs> Did you know that David even endured some anxiety? King David was a man after God's own heart and Israel's most renowned and illustrious kind. We, we see in all of the Psalms that we read, a giant killer from his youth. And here was also a man given to anxiety amid his suffering. And as we can read in some of the Psalms, the anxieties of David stem from that of several causes. If you've ever been anxious, you know the symptoms. Faintness of heart, endless days or days that seem to last forever, sleepless nights, tears, obsessive fear, numbness, just to name a few. But as you read these psalms where David cried out to God in such anguish and despair, as you see that David experienced these anxiety symptoms, that even during these struggles, David was still able to sing praises to God. And I know that you've heard these psalms preached about for the past few years in this wonderful journey that Bishop has had us on for these years and this journey that we've had. But, but let me go ahead and remind you of a few, all right? Just to show you what I mean. Psalm chapter 3, verse 1. Lord, how are they that in increase that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But as we continue in that chapter, David declares how the Lord sustains him, declaring that, he, that when he cried out to God, that God heard him. Psalm 69, David cries out to God saying, verse 1, save me, O God, for the waters are coming to my soul. I sink in the mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep water where the floods overflow me. Can I tell, can anyone relate to feeling flooded? Can anyone relate to feeling overwhelmed? Can anyone relate to feeling stuck in the mud that where they can't move, but here come the waters at me and I just can't go anywhere? Well, let me tell you, here we go. A, ver a few verses later, David declares, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. And furthermore, in verse 34, let the heaven and the earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves Therein, hallelujah. And just to give you a couple more, because Psalms is filled with such. Psalm 71, we read of David crying out saying, Deliver me, O my God, and be not far from me, and save me. But again, David doesn't end with the cry for help. 
Because David trusts that God will do so. And so he later writes in Psalm 71, verse 14, But I will hope continually and will yet praise you more and more. And further down in verse 22, come on somebody, I will praise you with the psaltery, even your truth, O my God. Unto thee I will sing with the harp. O thou Holy One of Israel, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee and my soul which thou hast redeemed. Oh, I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down, but when I think about some of these times where I've made it through these struggles only by the hand of God, I want to praise him that much more. Oh, come on, church, all of you in here and those of you that are watching online have a reason to praise him. Hallelujah. If for no other reason than to praise him for who he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may feel the pressure, but you are not crushed. You may be troubled on every side, suffering from affliction, suffering from persecution, but you are not forsaken. You may be struck down, but you are not destroyed. Oh, I wonder if we can just take a moment and praise him for bringing us through the things that he's brought us through. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let some praises rise in this place right now. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that even if we feel stuck in the mud, even when the waves come crashing in our face, that we can praise you, that we choose to praise you through it all. Hallelujah. I'm going to see through the waves. I'm going to get out of that mud and I'm going to praise you yet forevermore because you are faithful in all things. You have seen me through it before and you'll see me through it again. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 You may not be out of your struggle yet, but you're still praising him. <laughs> I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished yet, but I wanted to take that moment to thank God. You're still praising Him, even though your thoughts may have consumed you this morning, even though you may have woke up with some kind of worry. <laughs> You're still going to praise Him. That even, even if somebody said something real mean to you yesterday or the day before, that you're still going to praise him. Because I'm telling you, I'm, I hate to say it this way, but I'm going to. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. What really matters is your focus on him through it all. Because as you focus on him, these things may still happen around you. I've talked about these spiritual blinders. You've sometimes got to put those on saying, Lord, I am going to choose to focus on you right now at all times because I don't want to see what's happening right there. I know what's going on, but I'm going to trust you to get me through it all. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And in tying this back all around again, to bring this all back together, in heeding to the words of Jesus to take no thought and seeing these examples of men and women throughout Scripture who too struggled while most saw a better end, we can hold on to this very thing, and that is this. The antidote of an anxious heart begins and remains with a complete trust in Him. If you trust in Him that He will take care of you, then what reason do you have to fear? What reason do you have to be anxious? I know that may sound easier said than done. And if you're thinking that, then you are not out of the ballpark of possibilities. 
But when you trust in him, have you ever experienced the Lord breaking that trust? Has the Lord ever given you a reason to not trust in him? I know, church. I know that you are in here today. Some of you are in here today who you've been through trying times. And some are going through trying times right now. But remember to trust in him. And as you trust in him, stay connected to him in prayer. Stay connected to him in praise, in your worship. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6 saying, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And to that I want to tell you, he's listening. He always has an ear to hear. If there ever comes a time where you don't feel like anyone else is listening, just remember that you can still, you can still talk with the Savior. Jesus is listening. Make everything known to him, but remember to take a, a few notes from David who had his fair share of trying times to always find a reason to be thankful. Always find a reason to be thankful. Always thank God for what he's done and, he, and what he's doing and what he has yet to do. What you may not see the end of, but he's already there. <laughs> oh, and rather than leaning on your own understanding, go ahead and lean on God. Go ahead and let him be your crutch if you will. He'll always hold you up, Brother Jeff. He'll always hold you up, Sister Kim. He'll always hold you up, church. He's never going to let you, you know, lean too far. He's always going to be there for you to lean on. And as we lean away from the things that we might know, yes, even those perceived thoughts, and as we lean on him to trust him through it all, we can lean on him as much as we want. You know, I'm a bigger guy. If I lean on the wrong thing, it might break. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus will never break. He will never break so much as you lean on him. In fact, you all can lean on him for a moment. Hallelujah. And if you're leaning on him, go ahead and keep leaning on him and lean on him forevermore. And finally, in closing, cast all your cares on him. Do you know what it means to cast? It literally means to throw. If you need to do that in the physical, then go ahead and do it. But picture yourself for a moment taking those anxieties Tossing them at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how far you can throw so long as you are throwing them at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. So long as you are tossing them up at this altar like, like a person who's no longer paralyzed by an addiction. Hallelujah. So you are no longer paralyzed by those anxious thoughts. Those that especially come during this season. But evermore those that may have burdened you for too long. Oh church, they cannot stay any longer. Jesus wants to help you. He is leaning forth a hand towards you. Are you willing to grab his hand and walk with him? Are you willing to say, reach for me? Are you willing to say, I'm going to walk with you, Jesus, at all times? I know you've got me. I know you won't let go. Go ahead and reach for him for a moment because he's never going to let go. He's got you right here. He's got you right here. He's, he's walking with you at all times. He's never going to let go. You see this hand? I'm squeezing it pretty tight. He's holding you tight. He's holding you close. He's that comfort that you need. He's that peace that you need. He's that joy that you need. He's everything that you need to
to get through any trial you may be going through. And I'm here to tell somebody that you can find that in the presence of the Lord. And, uh, and that's the only place that you can find it. Church, stand with me. I know we have about a minute left, but, but I wonder if we can just find a place to pray. Let's find a place to pray. Anywhere in this room and just ask God to search your hearts for a moment. Say, Lord, whatever it is that may be troubling me, you know, it, it's, it can be specific for any one of you. But Lord, that thing that, that's been troubling me for too long, I'm casting it at your feet. Oh, Jesus, we come before you. We thank you, oh God, for taking care of our every needs. We thank you, oh God, for taking care of our tomorrow. We thank you, oh God, for taking care of those thoughts that we cast towards you. Go ahead and cast them at the feet of Jesus for a moment. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We, we have faith that you will take care of those things, that you're already taking care of them, and we trust in you, oh God. Oh, you're the author and the finisher of our faith, oh God. Yeah. And we put that trust and that hope in you, Lord Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. I know we're getting ready to go into our second half. We've got about a 10-minute break, but go ahead and pray for a little bit. It's all right if that overflows into it for just a second. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 And I wonder right now, is as, as you're praying, I wonder if you can just give some thanks to him all over this place. Thank him for what he's doing. Hallelujah. Thank him for what he's showing you all over this place. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Please, please keep praying. If, you, if you're praying right now, don't just stop because I'm, because I'm getting ready to close here. But we've got about a 10-minute break. Come back in 10 minutes for our second half. And let's get ready to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name.